Joe Biden and Kamala Harris attend a COVID-19 memorial at the National Mall and the national media fawns and cries and all kinds of other fun stuff. So we will talk about that. McConnell and Schumer get together and try to bash out a deal, but they get caught up on the filibuster because Schumer is dead set on getting rid of that motherfucker. A D.C. Bernie Sanders mural was vandalized last night as somebody painted a picture of Pepe the Frog over Bernie Sanders' face, and it looks pretty badass, too, by the way. So we'll have a look at that, and today is the day. It is either the season or the series finale of The Federal Apprentice. Stay tuned to Contemporary to find out more both today and throughout the year, because... We will find out whether they continue the series just with a new main character and ruin it like they did with Schwarzenegger or if they really cut it for good. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We're running a little bit behind because there was so goddamn much they are trying as hard as they can to cram as much news down as they can because CNN realizes pretty much the way that the rest of us do that they are not going to sell any commercials as they sit back and kiss an 80-year-old man's ass for four more years, which is what they're going to do. So they're trying to get all the outrage they can coming in and coming up and trying to make sure that you come in and put that rage click up on CNN. So we will see what happens from that. Let's get the live chat up here, just in case I have no volume or something else like that. But let's see what's going on with this. But before we get into any of the news over here, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs, where we carry great shows such as The Generational Gap, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The Daily Ignoramus, The Freckles and Brit Show, and The R-Rated Conservative. Come on over, check out our website, pick up some of our swag, and help us support great creators. Couple announcements before we get started. Number one is we are back on the audio platform. I kicked myself in the ass last night, and Monday's episode of Contemporary and Monday's episode of The Red Net Show are both on the audio platform as of today. Go and check that out over there if you want to take us on the go and maybe even take the show at double speed because listening to it at normal speed doesn't fit with your lifestyle. I understand I do the same thing all the time, so I'm not going to fault you for it. A view is a view. And tell your friends as well that they can go pick that up on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can go check us out on any of those platforms. And we appreciate you going over there and checking us out over there. And hey, I'll take a book out of Stephen Ignoramus's playbook and say, you know what, even if you don't listen to it because you listen to it live or you can watch the video playback or you'd rather see the news on the background, I'd really appreciate it if you went back and downloaded it anyway and just deleted it back off because that still counts. And that still helps us overcome Apple, Google, Spotify's algorithm and helps put us back up on the top. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. If you can't, I still appreciate you being here. Uh, this is the point in the show where I would normally tell you about the stocks and the Bitcoin coming up, but I wanted to touch on this first because I found out, and I mean, the already conservatives absolutely fucking irate over this. He has gone on a just tirade over this for the last couple days. But I wanted to touch on this here because there is a reason that we are demonetized over on DLive. And it's kind of what I figured it was going to be. 
I didn't think that I did anything wrong, but I, I kind of figured it was going to be a blanket thing here. Especially when I saw the generational gap uh, get demonetized too, because they are flying so far under the radar, they're scraping their fucking bellies on the ground. But this is coming here from DLive's community itself. An open letter to the DLive community. I want to take this opportunity to update all of you about DLive's ongoing efforts to address the issue regarding the incident that happened on January 6th. Before getting into the details, I want to clarify our basic position. DLive's mission is to create a value-sharing live streaming platform that empowers creators and viewers. So we empower our creators by taking away their fucking money. Since our launch in 2017, we have made great progress toward that goal. Today, over 350,000 creators all around the world choose our platform to live stream. The overwhelming majority of this content is fundamentally positive. It's Turkish kids playing video games. Indeed, we estimate that over 90% of our streamers are focused on topics unrelated to news and current events, with most of them focused on gaming being played and discussed by some of the world's most forward-thinking players. At its core, DLive is a collaborative gaming platform. Among the 10% or less who are discussing news and current events in their live streams, the majority are doing so in ways that are compliant with, with the law and our community guidelines, which expressly prohibit hate speech. Together with the viewers who have come to the platform, these creators have built a community in which everyone is rewarded for their participation and contribution, thanks to the transformative power of blockchain technology. Instead of a centralized corporation hoarding the lion's share of the value of creators' work, on DLive rewards are apportionate, appropriately rather, flow to creators and viewers. With DLive taking a relatively modest share. And that's fair. I mean, 25% of your donation for upkeep with as little as lemons are worth. I know a lot of people complained, especially when they went from 10% to 25%, but once again, there's upkeep involved. YouTube is operating at a loss, even with all the money that they skim off the top. YouTube is operating at a loss, so if DLive wants to take 25% of my lemons, have at it. Just keep the site going, as, well, what I thought before. The vision of a decentralized, creator-driven community, there is no place for lawbreakers, those who would incite violence, or would disseminate hate speech, including in service of repugnant ideas like white supremacism. Guys, do I sound white supremacist to you? Seriously? On January 6, 2021, a number of individuals may have broken the law and certainly violated our guidelines when they used DLive to livestream their participation in the assault on the U.S. Capitol building or they were press. Like, Stephen Ignoramus, when he went in there, was legitimately fucking press. We have freedom of the press. We absolutely condemn this abuse of our service and regret that it happened. As soon as we became aware of the situation, we acted to shut down those live streams. Since then, we have indefinitely suspended the accounts of the individuals who used DLive to live stream from the riots. Suspended those individuals' access to any tokens given to them by community members. Today we want to share a number of additional steps that we're taking. And this is where it hit me, the RRC, and the generational gap. And probably Stephen Ignoramus too. But this is where it hit all the rest of us. First, we have demonetized all accounts that operate in our X-Tag section. 
For those who are unfamiliar, this is the section of our site where all content that is deemed to, to only be appropriate for mature audiences must be placed. Which they did that manually to my channel back in... When the fuck did they do that? August. August I got the email that said that all of my stuff is going to be X-tagged. Today, virtually all non-gaming content lives in this section, except for Marfugal News, ironically enough, and uh, I verified that after Mrs. RRC pointed that out a couple days ago. I have independently verified that. That is true. Creators operating in this space will be able to stream, but not to accept any payments from community members using our reward system. We know that many legitimate creators operate in this section of our site, and we regret the impact this has on them. But we simply will not tolerate the possibility of violent extremists not only broadcasting on our platform, but potentially profiting by misusing our platform to promote violence or illegal content. This action seeks to prevent that from happening. Secondly, we have substantially expanded our moderation resources that are undertaking a thorough review of all current XTAG accounts with significant viewership. Which means they're not even going to come and watch this fucking program to see if they can turn the XTAG off. It's just... Oh, somebody said this is politics. X-tag! X-tag! Any account found to be violating our community guidelines will be proactively suspended for at least seven days, and any future violations will lead to a permanent ban. Third, given the statements from U.S. law enforcement of ongoing security threats related to the January 20th inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden, yes, you can watch the... You can watch the inauguration... By squinting through a barbed wire fence while National Guardmen point fucking guns back at you. We will be temporarily shutting down the operation of our site for users located in Washington, D.C. While we cannot control how people conduct themselves on that day, we can ensure that DLive will not be misused to incite violence, promote lawlessness, livestream illegal acts, or hate speech. I don't think this is as blockchain as they want you to believe it is, because if they could do that then it's not blockchain. You can't do that on blockchain. So this is something completely different, but they're trying to lull you into a sense of security from this. But this is... This is why I'm demonetized. This is why GenGap is demonetized. This is why the already conservative is demonetized. But Marfugal is not because he is bringing in buttloads of fucking money for these people. Thousands of viewers per stream. And they wouldn't, it, that'd be like YouTube shutting down fucking PewDiePie. That'd be a death nail to them. So, anyway, that's happening. If you guys would like to, yeah, I see Ron Helton says, RRC said he turned the X-Tag off to get something from DLive to come and moderate. Is that a thing? I don't know. Um, I spent all of last night after the R-rated conservative figuring out how to, or, figuring out and getting my uh, audio platform back up. I was going to look into this after work to, uh, tonight, so I may turn the X-Tag off on mine to see if we can monetize once again or see if I can get a moderator in here, but I'm not holding my breath on it. We'll be looking for that, but yeah, definitely going on. And if you do want to help support this program, as I mentioned, you can head on over to the Freedom Scoop Network and buy some of our swag. Otherwise, there are PayPal links in the description of every single mainstream platform. If you want to toss me a buck or two, that's helpful. I know some of you guys will throw like a thousand lemons and that's like seven bucks. 
And that's always helpful. I, I've never cashed out my lemons over on DLive, but I'm after they're doing this, I'm planning on it. Because I have enough that I can do my first cash out. I have over 7,000 over there, and I don't watch gaming shit over on DLive, so, because I don't speak Turkish mainly. So, why, why let them keep that in their system when I can just fucking take it back? So, you guys want to toss me a little bit? That'd be much appreciated. Once again, the PayPal link is in the description. Even a dollar helps. It helps offset the cost of new microphones, new webcams, and helps me build that new laptop that's going to be, or not new laptop, that new desktop that's going to be coming in in the near future, which I'm looking very forward to. Seawall's got me the list of stuff that I'm going to do. I just picked and uh, ordered my case, so that's going to be coming in. And it's not going to be the $1,000 I said it was going to be. It's going to be a much more modest system, but given the fact that I'm going to be changing over, not using integrated graphics, it's going to be like lightning compared to where I'm at. It's not going to be top of the line, but compared to where I'm at, we're going to be going like lightning. Anyway, we've used enough time on this and given enough time to these bastards, and I still have to work yet today, so we've got to keep moving. Going back into the markets, as I normally would be long since done with at this point, uh, from Google's Dow Jones Market Tracker. Looks like they had a pretty steady update throughout the day. It went way up at the beginning. Dropped, up, dropped, kind of steadied off throughout the day as people started to realize that Palooka Joe is going to be the president and the Federal Apprentice is over. So we will see what happens with that. I want to have a look at the Bitcoin here, and that is dropping off a little bit. Interesting thing about Bitcoin is I've been listening to some of my other libertarian friends on the audio platform, the ones that don't stream, but they're over on the audio platform. Clint from the Liberty Lockdown podcast is good. I recommend going and checking him out. But uh, And I know Brian Nichols over on the Brian Nichols show, he was just talking to, I believe, Palumbo recently, and they were talking about whether or not Bitcoin might become illegal under the Biden administration, which could actually make its value go up because what happens when things go into a black market? But hey, they might make Bitcoin illegal because, you know, you're undermining the fiat currency that, that our treasury, you're getting currency that doesn't come from our treasury. That That's not right, man. So we will see what happens with Bitcoin, but it's at $34,720.20. That is in U.S. dollars. All right, from IBD, we're going to fly through this one here. Dow Jones Futures, Netflix flashes buy signal. Alibaba jumps on Jack Ma. NASDAQ set to hit high in stock market rally from Ed Carson. Dow Jones Futures rose Wednesday morning along with S&P 500 Futures and especially NASDAQ Futures. The NASDAQ is set to open at a record high after the stock market rally rebounded Tuesday from last week's modest pullback. The Netflix earnings uh, report was in focus along with Alibaba as founder Jack Ma made his first public appearance in months. Joe Biden will be inaugurated as president today. Netflix missed on earnings but beat on revenue as subscriber growth even as Dow component Walt Disney becomes a bigger threat with its fast-growing Disney Plus. Netflix stock spiked above an early entry overnight. Disney stock also rallied, offering an aggressive entry. I think most people have both, to be completely honest. I think Hulu is the one that a lot of people don't have. But, no, this is not streaming on Trovo because I don't know anything about Trovo. But I will add that to the list, by the way. Um, anyway, yeah, a lot of people have both Netflix and Disney Plus, so they're not really competitors. 
Dow Jones Giant United Health Group Investment, Bank, Morgan Stanley, and Chip Equipment Giant ASML Holding all beat EPS, and Revenue Views early Wednesday United Health stock, but not far from a buy point, fell slightly. Morgan Stanley climbed modestly, ASML stock rose slightly, but it's greatly extended. Uh, Jack Ma resurfaced in a video, which means he's back. He was kidnapped over in China and disappeared, so their stock is going up. Um, on Tuesday's solid stock market rally, Qualcomm cleared a buy point, Synopsys and 2020 Medical IPOs, Maravai Life Sciences and One Medical uh, broke out, Apple, Netflix, and most big tech stocks rose slightly on Tuesday's session, uh, Google parent Alphabet, uh, Fang stock peered to Netflix, dropped out, on the futures. Dow Jones futures rose 0.2% versus fair value, with Disney stock offering a small boost. S&P 500 futures climbed 0.4%. NASDAQ 100 futures jumped almost a full percent, 0.9%, buoyed by Netflix. Remember, overnight action in Dow futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. Let's keep going. From MarketWatch. Biden aims for best stock market rally in 92 years ahead of inauguration. From Mark DeCamber. Former Vice President Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th president on Wednesday, and his to-do list will run extraordinarily long as he ex attempts to drag the country out of the worst pandemic in a century and mend fractures in American politics. But at least one measure. Biden supporters might point to the incoming president's bullish impact on the stock market since the November 3rd election as one early accomplishment, even if it's hard to pin all of the recent gains on the change in regime from Donald Trump to Biden. No, mostly it's the, it's the vaccine is most of what did this. But hey, now they want to come back and say that everything that's happening right now is because of Biden. And as soon as the fucking bubble pops, which it's going to, it's going to be Trump's economy. It's, it's, it's all Trump's fault, don't you know? It's amazing. It is amazing how you can switch back and forth between a Democrat and Republican uh, economy based on whether it's going up or it's going down. Looking back historically, the all-time champion for Election Day to Inauguration Day performance was the one-term Republican President Herbert Hoover, with a 13.3% rally in the S&P 500 index between his November 20, uh, 6, 1928 election and his first day in office. In the 11 weeks before the November 3rd election and Tuesday, the S&P 500 was up a dazzling 12.7% according to FactSet data. That return places Biden in the number two slot in performance after Republican Hoover, with an outside shot at eclipsing the one-term Iowan commander-in-chief, who served from 1929 to 1933 and found his legacy tied to soup lines in an economic crisis. Well, that and the fact that he succeeded fucking Roosevelt. Hoover's presidency was marred by the 1929 stock market crash that occurred roughly eight months into his tenure and would eventually be viewed by many as the starting point of the Great Depression. Biden, however, hopes for a more auspicious presidency, even though his term begins during a dire stretch of the COVID-19 pandemic. No, that's actually going away. On Tuesday, the U.S. topped a milestone of over 400,000 reported deaths from COVID-19 as the deadly pathogen that took hold nearly a year ago sees a fresh resurgence, uh, resurgence 
you guys know what I'm going to say here. Citation needed, please. Meanwhile, the U.S. has been reeling in the aftermath of an apparent insurrection, where thousands of protesters, namely those claiming to be Trump supporters, stormed the Capitol. Citation needed, please, two weeks ago, leading to historic second impeachment of the 45th president, who was blamed for helping to incite the riots that led to the death of five people. Yeah, this is just going to be the market watch sucking off Biden's new presidency. We don't need to go too much into this. All right, let's keep going. All right, first I've got to cut the autoplay that's going on over here because otherwise I can't play the video because Donald Trump did give his farewell speech and I wanted to listen to that. So let's have a listen. If I can untangle my headphones, I got to get a new set of over-ear ones. The internal mechanism in my old ones, the blue ones that I've had since the beginning of this channel, broke. And I haven't replaced them yet. Alright, let's have a listen, you guys. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation, and that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China, but before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. And of course, that was just a small cut version of the farewell speech. But I mean, it goes to the same thing and it tells us what he's and really in reality, we were talking all the way back in January of last year. You remember that a thousand years ago, January last year, when Donald Trump was standing there poised and ready to start bringing the troops out of Afghanistan. And that was the biggest news and all the fucking war hawks and the Democrat and Republican Party were pissed. Pissed beyond fucking pissed that this was about to happen. That Donald Trump was going to sail to re-election. Tim Pool was saying that Donald Trump was going to sail to re-election because the economy was so good. So many people went back to work. So many people were doing so well. They had money in their savings. They were buying houses for the first time. House prices were going up massively. 
And now, here we are. Three quarters of a million people filing for new unemployment because of the, the China virus. And now Democrat politicians are talking about opening the economy back up. You can tell me all day it wasn't planned, but I don't believe you. It was just too convenient to happen during an election year, right after the House of Representatives failed to impeach and remove a president they didn't like for doing something that Joe Biden actually did. So, thank you for your service, Mr. President. Thank you for three years of a good economy. And thank you for making Republican voters anti-war. At least for a little while. Until the fucking turtle man turns around and turns them back into fucking war hawks again. Well, we've got to save Israel, don't you know? That was where Jesus Christ walked around. We, you, you've got to support us, otherwise you won't be Christian. So, we will see what happens with that. I've got this one here that I want to get rid of as soon as possible because it keeps trying to do autoplay on me. From 11 Alive. Vice President Pence says farewell to White House. We'll skip Trump's send-off. This is from Douglas Jones, outgoing Vice President Mike Pence. Bid farewell to the White House on Tuesday, one day before President-elect Joe Biden is set to take the oath of office. In a tweet, Pence delivered a message of thanks to the American public, saying his time as Vice President was a privilege and the greatest honor of his life. Pence, along with wife Karen, are planning uh, to attend the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on Wednesday. President Trump is skipping the inauguration and has invited guests to a send-off at Joint Base Andrews, but Pence, Trump's vice president for four years, will not be attending the send-off. A person familiar with Pence's schedule cited logistical challenges in getting from the airbase to President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration ceremonies on the uh, AP reported. The person spoke on condition of anonymity, which means the person was, the source was, dude, trust me, bro, to discuss scheduling decisions. Much of the nation's capital is under lockdown, with thousands of National Guard troops on patrol and other security precautions in place. The caution comes two weeks after Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building to try and stop Congress from confirming Biden's presidential victory. A citation needed, please. Trump and Pence's relationship has been strained since Trump tried to pressure Pence to stop the election certification, and Trump supporters roaming the Capitol chanted, Hang Mike Pence. Citation needed, please, after the president tweeted disapprovingly of him. Once again, you guys know my position on what happened in the Capitol, how I feel about it. I wasn't there, but I know how some of these MAGA uh, supporters will kind of do the monkey see, monkey do thing. So all it takes is one provocateur to start chanting something blithe and horrific. And all the rest of them start getting in line. So whoever led the chant, I don't know if it was a Trump dude or not. I have a feeling that it wasn't. But, you know, once again, they all get in line once they start hearing it. That's part of the reason that they followed MAGA as religiously as they did. And I'm saying this once again as somebody who voted for the man twice. But I question every decision that he made. My biggest hope for a second Trump term was that he would have fuck you clout. And he could start turning away some of these massive omnibus bills and we could get the spending under control. 
because I know for a fact that Joe Biden was not going to get the spending under control. That was the big reason for the for me voting for him the second time. And once again, I really think this whole capital thing was fucking staged, especially given the fact that they had a 20,000-page domestic terrorism bill sitting right there ready to go. So, and I know a lot of people are starting to think that this is going to be some military thing, especially with all the military that's hanging around, that somebody's going to take a shot at uh, Biden, that Trump's going to come in and rappel down from a ladder on a helicopter and throw the cuffs on Biden for what he did, that he's going to be the hero, he's going to be the president for the next four years, everybody's going to love him, America's going to fall in line. Here's what's going to happen. This is the most likely outcome of what the end of the day is going to be. Biden's going to have 25,000 people watching him be inaugurated because he ordered them to do so as the incoming commander-in-chief. The National Guard are going to be the 25,000 people out there. He's going to put his hand on the Bible. He's going to say, uh, Jill Biden, do solemnly swear to uphold, you know, the thing to the best of my abilities. So help me, you know, that dude up there. And, hey, Hunter, what's my line? Oh, and I, I promise not to let the kids in the pool rub down my hairy legs. And so help me, Corn Pop. And then everybody's going to go home. That's going to be what's going to happen today. So that's the most likely outcome here. We will see what happens. And if I'm wrong, well, we'll talk about it in the morning. All right. I've got one here. Because Joe Biden is going to appear on the balcony overlooking the South Lawn. This is such dangerous stuff, folks. This isn't the America I know. Because, as you remember, what happens when presidents stand on the balcony over the South Lawn? 9.55 p.m. The president and the first lady appear in the Blue Room balcony. South Lawn pooled press coverage. Michael uh, Bestgloss tweets at the time. That's... October 5th of 2020. In America, our presidents have generally avoided strongman balcony scenes. That's for other countries with authoritarian systems. CNN's Aaron Burnett says, What we're seeing here really looks like something out of North Korea. Except people's asses don't get as fat as Aaron Burnett's in South Korea. And it's kind of nice, too, by the way. I'm not saying that as an insult. It's kind of nice. I've seen it. This is a Mussolini moment, said MSNBC's Joy Reid. And of course, Bridget Phetasy, which if you've never checked out her program, by the way, it is hilarious. Tweets out, top tweet, literally North Korea. Go check out Dumpster Fire with Bridget Phetasy. It is hilarious. But yeah, that's where we get off of this. This is going to be uh, it's It's a... Strongman moment when Donald Trump does it, but, oh, look, look at sweet old Joe. He's going to stand out on the balcony and address the people. All right, let's keep going. From Fox News, CNN political director, D.C. COVID memorial lights like extensions of Biden's arms embracing America. Well, I had to throw up watching the, or reading this headline, so... 
Guess what? I'm going to share that with you. Uh, do I have an author? Joseph A. Wolfstone. President-elect Biden has yet to take the oath of office, and CNN's political director is already providing a glimpse of how deeply he will throat Joe Biden. On Tuesday, Biden presided over a ceremony along the National Mall to pay tribute to the 400,000 American lives that have been lost due to the coronavirus pandemic. Citation needed, please. As part of the ceremony, lights were turned on in their memory. David Chalian, a CNN vice president who guides the network's political coverage, was rhetorically knocked head over heels by the memorial. The contrast on display tonight is so stark. I mean, those lights are just shooting out of the Lincoln Memorial along the reflecting pool. It's almost ex like extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. Chalian gushed. You know what? Let's listen to Chaley and do it. There's still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address, but his aides are, are, have made really clear it's not like he's trying to ignore or paper over uh, either what happened at the Capitol two weeks ago or what we've been through uh, throughout four years of the Trump presidency. And the contrast on display tonight was so stark. I mean, those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. It, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town and sort of convened the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. And contrast that with that video you just saw of a disgraced president on his way out at his lowest point uh, in his presidency at the very end here uh, by himself uh, fighting for uh, his political movement to live on and not even necessarily promising uh, that he's going to be leading that movement. Uh okay, if you take that down your throat any further, Chalian, you're going to throw up. All right, that's enough of that. We don't need to hear any more of that. Uh, from just the news, CIA announces Director Gina Haspel's retirement. From Joseph Weber and John Solomon, remember, Gina Haspel is the woman who was the F uh, CIA director that was appointed by the, and allowed to stay too, by the incredibly sexist man who hates women, Donald Trump. The CIA announced Tuesday that Director Gina Haspel is leaving the agency, ending a three-decade spy career that shattered a glass ceiling. The announcement was made via a Twitter post by the Central Intelligence Agency, which thanked Haspel for her 36 years of dedicated service to the American people. Haspel said in the post, It's been a greatest honor of my life to lead this organization. You remember how much they hated Haspel? Because, well... We can't say that it's sexist because he's appointing a man, so we're going to tell everybody about how she waterboarded people. Remember that? I remember that. Somebody's car alarm is going off. Haspel is a respected career officer and the first female director of the nation's premier spy agency. A U.S. official said Haspel wanted to announce her retirement a day early so she could thank her colleagues formally but would be staying on the job through noon Eastern Time Wednesday when Joe Biden is inaugurated as president. There's the tweet from the CIA. 
the CIA workforce. Thanks, Director Haspel, for her 36 years of dedicated service. Godspeed, Gina Haspel. I mean, the CIA kind of sucks, but Godspeed anyway. Let's keep going. Ah, this one was fun. I actually wanted to include this just because it was fun because uh, Kristen over on Twitter, who is literally your mom, by the way, replying to a tweet where Hillary Clinton says, let this just sit with, with, let's just sit with this for a moment and see what it means. Tomorrow, Kamala Debbie Harris will be the first woman sworn in as vice president of the United States. And Kristen, in true Kristen boy mom fashion, savagely tweets back, Imagine thinking this is a win when you're a diversity hire. I need to get one of my old microphones over here so I can drop it when somebody does one of these like this. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's keep going. From CNN, Joe Biden grieves COVID victims on eve of his inauguration. To heal! We, we must remember, man, you know, the thing. From Maeve Reston. One of the greatest tragedies of the past year, as some 400,000 Americans lost their lives to COVID-19, citation needed, please, was not only that many victims died alone because you all but welded them into their fucking homes. You had police coming out and saying they were going to jail if they got out. Their loved ones robbed of the chance to say goodbye because of your fucking government policies but that the pain of the loss was whitewashed by a president who chose to minimize and deny it uh. in a somber ceremony at the lincoln memorial on tuesday night that was his first stop in washington president-elect joe biden signaled that honoring that grief and the terrible toll of the last year would be at the very heart of his administration as he continues to strip away rights. Elected officials, or because of his empathy and his compassion, no, that's not true. Elected because he was engaged in criminal misdoing, uh, misgivings, not misgivings, what's the word? Misdeeds, that's the word I'm looking for. He was engaged in criminal misdeeds with Ukraine and China, and enough people in the establishment had their hands in the cookie jar too, which means that if he did get busted for something, a lot of them were going down with him. Follow the bouncing ball, people. Who are suffering through a confluence of crises that have created a time of great uncertainty that were mostly created by governors and legislatures in blue-run states. Biden spoke just a few words as the sun set over the National Mall because if he says too many words, he says stupid shit. Casting a rosy glow in the uh, twilight. The president-elect told Americans that he shared in their grief with his own understanding, deepened by the loss of his first wife and a daughter in a car accident. Oh, look at Joe Biden. He's so fucking sweet. As a young man and the loss of his son, Beau, to cancer at the age of 46. It's hard sometimes to remember, but my Alzheimer's, I think, is under control right now, and that's how we heal. It's important to do this as a nation. 
Bud said in brief remarks before the 400 lights were illuminated along the edges of the Lincoln Memorial Reflecting Pool, marking more than 400,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. I don't even need to say it anymore. You guys know. He and his wife, Jill, watched in silence alongside Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug Emhoff, as the reflections of the lights glimmered in the water, hundreds of towns, cities, and communities across the country joined in the tribute, lighting up buildings from the Empire State Building in New York to the Space Needle in Seattle. Cardinal Wilton Gregory, the Archbishop of Washington, delivered the invocation, and gospel singer Yolanda Adams performed Hallelujah after Biden spoke. I'm a coomer. I'm a coomer. <laughs> Every time I hear that song, that's the only thing I think of now. Stephen Ignoramus has corrupted me. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is... I mean, I understand going out and having the memorial for the people that died. But in reality, we all know. I mean, we've seen the articles where a dude crashes his motorcycle, was riding without a helmet like a fucking retard, and he goes and crashes his motorcycle in the back of a semi and he's marked as a COVID death. Or a guy blows his brains out in his apartment because he lost his job and he's so alone, and he's marked as a COVID death. That's why I always say citation needed, please. Because the hospitals were getting money for every death they could attribute to COVID-19. And I don't buy that 400,000 number for a second. I don't buy it for a half a second. I think it's all bullshit. I mean, what did they... Was the one over in... Uh, was it Serbia? No, it was somewhere over there in the Eastern Bloc. Behind the Iron Curtain. Bosnia, that's where it was. Where the dude fell off the ladder. And they said, oh, well, he had COVID-19. So he probably lost consciousness and shortness of breath and... Yeah, but he died when his head hit the fucking pavement. So, yeah, I need a citation on this 400,000 deaths. and This is going to be your media for the next four years, people. All right, let's keep going. Uh, brief video here, then we'll read the article from that. Police and BLM clashing in the streets in NYC. Shut up for a sec so I can finish reading this. Uh, yes, yeah, so apparently there was a police and a BLM clash um, in New York City. That would be Monday night is when that happened. catch the drumming in the background of that that kind of made this really weird for me all right let's keep going from the new york post dozens arrested in new york city as cops and protesters clash outside city hall park from larry salona and kenneth garger 
Police and Black Lives Matter protesters clashed outside City Hall Park on Monday night, resulting in dozens of arrests and several injured officers, authorities said. The confrontation began at about 8.30 p.m. after hundreds of protesters, who originally met outside the Barclays Center, marched across the Brooklyn Bridge in a demonstration honoring Martin Luther King Jr., according to social media posts. And once again, we've got Martin Luther King Jr., the only person who can claim that more of his stuff has been taken out of context or misquoted one of the two in order to advance a political or social agenda. He's had that happen to him more than the fucking Bible has. Once they made their way into Manhattan, they were met with heavy police presence and chaos ensued online footage shows. Ten police officers were injured in the melee, sources said, and a captain was struck in the helmet with a bottle. Police sources said one protester, who was arrested, swung a stick at an officer. In one video posted to Twitter, police can be seen charging toward and pushing several protesters and wrestling another person to the ground in the street. I hate to tell you this, but you're doing this in remembrance of Martin Luther King, and you're acting like fucking Malcolm X. Let's keep going. The Turtle Man! Senator Mitch McConnell says the mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was provoked by the president and fed lies. Take it away, Turtle Man. The last time the Senate convened, we had just reclaimed the Capitol from violent criminals who tried to stop Congress from doing our duty. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And they tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. But we pressed on. We stood together and said an angry mob would not get veto power over the rule of law in our nation, not even for one night. We certified the people's choice for their 46th president. Tomorrow, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris will be sworn in. We'll have a safe and successful inaugural right here on the west front of the Capitol, the space that President Bush 41 called democracy's front porch. Yeah, I wouldn't be citing that fucking war criminal either, you fucking turtle man war criminal to be. That wouldn't be who I'd be citing if I was you, but of course we know that this fuckstick is salivating over the fact that, uh, well, he, we might be going back to war. At least he had the good sense to not try and push this uh, early removal, which outraged a lot of people over on the left, but he had the good sense to do that, and I'm kind of waiting to see what they do with the Senate trial. All right. Let's keep going. From CBS, McConnell says, Mob that attacked the Capitol was provoked by the president from Grace Seegers. Signaling a continued break with President Trump, the day before he leaves office, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blamed Mr. Trump in part for the assault on the U.S. Capitol earlier this month, saying the pro-Trump mob that overran the building was provoked by the president and other powerful people. In a speech on the Senate floor, McConnell noted that the Senate was convening for the first time since voting to accept the election results following the attacks on January 6th, which resulted in the death of five people. Congress met that day to tally the Electoral College votes for President-elect Joe Biden, a count that was interrupted by the riots that afternoon. Still think it was staged. Despite the ransacking of the Capitol, oh my god. 
They got a laptop and a fucking podium. That's hardly ransacking the Capitol. And, oh, don't forget. They flew the Confederate flag for the first time since the Civil War. They never flew that in the Capitol, even in the Civil War. Okay, sisters? Don't forget that. The marble shell lies that were provoked by the president and other powerful people. They tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. Well, you can go back and drool over going back to the Middle East, McConnell. Let's keep going. Clinton suggests Putin may have known about the riot in the Capitol. Yes, Clinton says Putin. Pelosi wants 9-11 style commission type probe. There you go, folks. It's 9-11 all over again. Welcome to the new Patriot Act under an authoritarian Democrat president who wrote the 1994 crime bill. This is from Edmund Marsh. Hillary Clinton, the former Secretary of State, spoke with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on her podcast. One of those, which one has the podcast? And do people actually listen? About the riot at the U.S. Capitol earlier this month and hinted that Russian President Vladimir Putin may have been receiving updates about the chaos from President Trump. I don't want to do news anymore, you guys. I don't want to do news anymore. They're still pulling this fucking line, people. They're still trying to do this. Still. Four years later. On the eve of the finale of The Federal Apprentice, they're still trying to do this. It's really Russia propaganda all over again. My God. Okay, here's a good question. Where the fuck do my glasses go? Because I'm that blind. Oh, there they are. Because I can't see this from this direction from here. All right. We don't need to do this anymore. That one's done. From the blaze, Biden's day one executive orders, Paris Accord, Keystone Pipeline, mask mandates, and more. From Blaze TV staff, the incoming Biden administration plans to waste no time in overturning much of the progress achieved by President Trump. Because people with upward mobility and people who are making money, people who are successful, don't vote for Democrats. On his radio program on Monday, Glenn Beck ran through 10 executive orders President Joe Biden plans to announce in day one of his time in office, including rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, canceling the Keystone Pipeline, mask mandates on federal land during an inter uh, and during interstate travel. You can't do that. And a proposed federal minimum wage of $15 an hour. You can't do that either. And I'm not going to sit down and watch Glenn Beck's video because Glenn Beck is a little bitch. He gets some wood on the ball every once in a while, but he's still, for the most part, a little bitch. All right, let's keep going. From Axios. This is the important one. This is the one I want to keep with. 
Biden will issue executive order to rescind Keystone XL pipeline permit from Fadel Alessan and Ursula Perano. President-elect Biden will issue an executive order on Wednesday to rescind permits for the controversial Keystone XL pipeline as one of his first acts on his first day in office. The move is a major development in a long-time fight over a controversial pipeline that began under the Obama administration. It reverses some of President Trump's own first actions aimed at advancing the project upon taking office in 2017. The revocation of the permit is part of a broader executive order signed by Biden to intended to take critical first steps to address the climate crisis, create good union jobs by destroying good union jobs because the pipe fitters, the steel workers, and the concrete workers, the ditch diggers, the trench workers, and everybody else that's working on that pipeline is 95% more likely to be union, just so you know. An advance environmental justice while reversing the previous administration's harmful policies, according to the administration. Just so you know, given the region this is happening in, and given the field of work that this is in, there is a 95% chance that most of the people that are working on this are union. Just so you know. Opposition to the construction of the Keystone first proposed in 2008, had become a rallying cry for climate activists. The pipeline was originally expected to cost about $8 billion and would carry about 83,000 or 830 rather thousand barrels a day of crude oil from Canada and through Nebraska per the Washington Post. The Southern Lake from Cushing, Oklahoma, a major storage hub to the Gulf Coast was approved in 2012 and constructed. Most of the Northern Lake has also been completed with some of the more important gaps in Nebraska. The Post writes, Obama rejected the pipeline in 2015 after letting most of it go because he wanted to try and get Hillary Clinton elected. America is now a global leader when, when it comes to, to, to taking serious action to, to fight climate change. And frankly, approving this project would have undercut that leadership. And you know, it's, it's, it's most important to me because I, I'm, 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 I'm going to single-handedly save the economy. Lawsuits have slowed construction on the project throughout Trump's administration because they want to keep people from going to work on this. Two Native American communities sued the government over the pipeline last year, charging the government did not consult with tribes on the pipeline's proposed path, which crossed tribal lands, except they did, under Obama. Three Nebraska judges ruled in December that planners had substantially and materially changed Keystone Pipeline route since it was approved in 2017, and they may now need to apply... For a new route certification, the Washington Post notes, either way, he's cutting jobs. I, I, I gotta get rid of these jobs, man, because my advisors told me to. All right, let's keep going. In a late night move, President Trump pardons Steve Bannon, Lil Wayne, and more. No word on Assange and Snowden. You knew that wasn't going to happen. You just knew that wasn't going to happen. Albrecht, too. You knew it wasn't going to happen. From Sarah Taylor. Late Tuesday night and into Wednesday morning, President Trump was busy issuing a long list of pardons and sentence commutations, including former White House Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, rapper and Trump supporter Lil Wayne, and scores more. 
According to reports, Trump fired off a total of 73 pardons and 70 commutations, but did not pardon himself or any members of the family in the 11th hour move. Pardon comes for Bannon. We knew that was coming. Little Wayne received a pardon after pleading guilty to weapons possession charge. Uh, Elliot Broidy, one of the top fundraisers in 2016, one of his insider buddies. Um, Bob Zangrillo, uh, college admission scandal. Rick Renzi, former GOP House member. Insider, insider, insider. Paul Erickson, the ex-boyfriend of alleged Russian spy Maria Butina. Insider. Nobody cares. But still no word on Snowden and Assange. Or Winner. Or Manning, for that matter. Good job. From the Hill, McConnell and Schumer failed to cut power-sharing deal amid filibuster snag. From Jordan Kearney. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Minority Leader Charles Schumer failed to reach a deal on Tuesday on organizing a 50-50 Senate as a fight over the filibuster threatens to drag out the talks for days. The two Senate leaders met to discuss how to share power in an evenly split Senate, according to Chuck U. Schumer. They talked about a whole lot of issues, but did not reach an agreement. The talks have snagged over a fight in the 60-vote legis uh, legislative filibuster, which could drag out the negotiations for several days. McConnell is pressing to use the power-sharing agreement to help protect the filibuster amid calls from progressives to nix the hurdle in order to help pass the Democratic legislative priorities that they could never get passed otherwise. And you'll notice, who's changing the rules every time? I will give the fact that McConnell changed the rules as far as Supreme Court justices goes, but that's only because Harry Reid came out and changed the rules for federal judges. That was the next step. And yes, McConnell did change the rules on that. I will give credit where credit is due, and he went and went too far on that. Yes, we got three great Supreme Court justices out of this, but now here we sit, poised on the idea that we might pack the Supreme Court because we've got to erase everything that the evil orange man did. I'm going to call that one a wash for right now. I'm not going to call it a victory. I'm not going to call it a loss. I'm going to call that one a wash. Just a second. Doug Andres, a spokesman for McConnell, said that during Tuesday's meeting, the GOP leader expressed his long-held view that the crucial long-standing and bipartisan Senate rules concerning the legislative filibuster remain intact, specifically during the power share for the next two years. Discussions on all aspects of the power sharing agreement will continue over the next several days, Andres said. But McConnell's decision to drop the filibuster into discussion over how to organize a split Senate drew fierce pushback from outside groups which urged uh, Democrats to reject the GOP leader's gambit. Uh, who's quoting that here? Senator McConnell knows the filibuster is the best weapon he has to control the Senate from the minority and prevent Democrats from delivering on the promises they made to voters. You know... From 2016 to 2018, he could have eliminated the filibuster any time, which was his obstacle from passing the Trump agenda. And yet he didn't. 
So we will see what happens out of this. They're going to, well, the Democrats are going to try and do this. I don't know if Manchin is actually going to get on board and nix this or not. I know that Kamala Harris cracks the whip really, really hard. And I know that she's got the history in her past where she can come out and say, hey, you know what? I jailed people for smoking weed after I said that I smoked weed listening to Tupac and Biggie. And I, I had free prison labor. Hey, Joe, Joe Manchin, do you want to be free prison labor? So there we go with that. I think she's going to crack the whip. I think he's going to do it. And then somewhere in the future, the Warhawk GOP is going to get back into power. And now the filibuster is going to be gone and they're not going to reinstate it. Just so you know. All right, let's keep going. From Fox News, Graham calls on McConnell to unequivocally denounce the second Trump impeachment effort. From Angela, I'm sorry, Angelica Stabile. Lindsey Graham is fighting efforts to convict President Trump in the Senate after he was impeached for a second time by the House of Representatives, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell should do the same. Graham told Fox News Hannity on Tuesday, What we need to do right now is Senator McConnell to unequivocally say the second impeachment of Donald Trump after he leaves office is not only unconstitutional, but it's bad for the country. And what's bad for the country is bad for me, said Graham, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Stand up and fight back. Graham praised McConnell for helping President Trump with everything that he did and referred to the majority leader as a legislative street fighter. The senator extended his call to Republican members, emphasizing the alleged unconstitutionality of pursuing a conviction after Trump has left office. Yeah, we're about half and half on this. Honestly, just fucking let it go. The dude's going to be 78, and he's been blackballed from normal life. Do you think he's actually going to run again? And do you think he could actually get traction? He's not going to run anywhere where he's not for sure going to win. That's why he waited until 2016 and didn't go before, because the writing wasn't on the wall like it was in 2015. And if he doesn't think that he's going to win and the people of the world are going to praise him, he's not going to run again. And neither are his kids, by the way. Because they're out of every country club and every lifestyle that they've ever had in their lives. Just let the dude go. But they sure won't do that. All right. A little bit of entertainment for you here. From Fox 5 out of D.C., D.C. police investigating Pepe the Frog graffiti as possible hate bias crime. From Stephanie Ramirez. D.C. police confirmed for Fox 5 on Sunday that they're investigating a Navy Yard area Bernie Sanders mural defaced with what uh, that cartoon Pepe the Frog image as a possible hate crime. You may have seen the cartoon image or heard its name before. What many may not know is the cartoon image is now associated with the alt-right or white supremacist groups. Did you guys know that? It's not clear exactly when the mural was defaced. A police report lists December 15, 2020 to January 14, 2021 as a possible period. D.C. police were called to investigate on Saturday when a tipster suggested the defacement may have been motivated by bias or political or religious affiliation. Obviously, Pepe was created in a very innocent way, says ADL Vice President and Washington ADL Office Head Duran Ezekson. However, Ezekson told Fox 5, with the rise of the alt-right and other hate groups, the cartoon frog has been adopted as a meme and started appearing 
in a racist, anti-Semitic, and other bigoted context. Or, and hear me out here, it's just a fucking cartoon frog, you fucksticks. DC police contacted the ADL about the graffiti investigation. Now, of course, the article here is not going to show you the after photo. That is uh, Bernie Sanders. That's that's the mural that they hit was uh, Bernie Sanders. Break the system. But as you see, there's nothing else in here because, you know, Fox 5 could could not show this, this horrific hate image of Pepe the Frog. But, you know what? I don't care. You might have to squint because this is the highest resolution I could find this photo, but there it is. Pepe the Frog. Painted over the Bernie Sanders mural. Fucking epic. I hoped you guys enjoyed that. Those of you listening on the audio platforms, you missed out. All right, from the blaze, Stephen King hit with backlash for demeaning waitress in an attempt to insult Kaylee McEnany. The author later apologized to waitresses because he's an ass. Author Stephen King received swift blowback on Tuesday after he attempted to take a jab at the outgoing White House press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, but ended up insulting several followers in the process by demeaning waitresses. This is from Breck Dumas, by the way. On the eve of President Trump's final day in the White House, McKennedy shared a statement on Twitter to the public saying, Serving as press secretary has been a true honor. At the podium, I had the great privilege of sharing stories of the forgotten men and women of America, stories the media too often ignores. Thank you for allowing me to speak on your behalf. And Stephen King replied with a quote tweet, Enjoy your next job as a cocktail waitress in Tampa. What an ass. I'm actually glad I've never read any of this dude's books. I had an interest in Under the Dome, but I'm not really a, a horror novel reader, so that's not generally something that I get into. I saw the Under the Dome series, like the first season on CBS, and I thought it was okay. I was interested in reading the book. I actually might read it because I think I bought it. I, I'd have to go back and check my Kindle. I think I bought it, so, and if I spent the money already, I'm still going to read it. I'm not going to be, like, one of those people that spends 150 bucks on a pair of Nikes and then burns the fucking things, but. If I spent the money on it, I'm going to use it. But after that, fuck this dude. This dude's a jerk. Alright, let's keep going. From the Daily Wire. I got just a couple more. Then we'll do something I'm thankful for. And head on out of here. It's going to be weak sauce. I can tell you that already. Because with everything else that we had going on here, I didn't really prep anything for this. But I still want to take some time and make sure that we do stay a little bit positive off of this. From the Daily Wire. Lockdown effect. Study projects unemployment from pandemic will cause nearly 900,000 U.S. deaths. I bet you they'll all be counted as COVID deaths too. From Hank Berrien. Gotta pump them numbers up. A new economic paper argues that the unprecedented unemployment shocks, amplified by lockdowns and other government restrictions in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, will cause nearly 900,000 deaths over the next 15 years. They're all COVID deaths, though. They all count. Give the hospitals more money. 
writing in a new National Bureau for Economic Research paper, Harvard University, Johns Hopkins University, and Duke University researchers, stated, Our results suggest that the toll of lives claimed by the SARS-CoV-2 virus far exceeds those immediately related to the acute COVID-19 critical illnesses and that the recession caused by the pandemic can jeopardize population health for the next two decades. But you know what? At least it gives Kamala Harris an excuse to come up on stage and say, don't worry, guys, this is, we're, we're going to save the day eventually, but this is the Trump economy right now, okay? It, it's Donald Trump's fault until such time that they statistically lose the House of Representatives, and then it becomes, oh, don't worry, guys, we're, we're trying to save the economy, but it's Kevin McCarthy's fault, okay? We also predict that the shock will disproportionately affect African Americans and women over a short horizon. While white men might suffer large consequences over longer horizons, the researchers state, because they're from Harvard, Duke, and Johns Hopkins, these figures translate to a staggering 0.89 million additional deaths. Can't you just say 890,000 additional deaths over the next 15 years? Nope, they got to put that million in there because it sounds scarier. The researchers specifically cite the massive unemployment spikes from lockdowns and other government-imposed restrictions. Spikes, which they say were some two to five times larger than typical unemployment shocks, FEE notes. Which goes back to what I said back in April, because I was on board with 15 days to slow the spread. We didn't know at the time. We didn't know what was coming out of this back in March. By April, we had a pretty good idea. But we've been saying this since April. You're going to cause more death by locking people in their homes than you are from a slightly more severe common cold. All right. Let's see from Yahoo News. Reporting from the Daily News. Hearing on unsealing of Ghislaine Maxwell documents disrupted by QAnon crazies. From Stephen Rex Brown and New York Daily News. A routine court hearing on the unsealing of documents in a civil case against Ghislaine Maxwell was overwhelmed Tuesday by more than 14,000 followers of the insane QAnon conspiracy theory. A conference line used by reporters and the public to listen to the remote proceeding was at capacity. A YouTube personality who managed to get access to the hearing broadcasted on his channel to more than 14,000 listeners who shared bizarre conspiracies about the global sex trafficking cabal in a live chat. Word of the live stream reached Manhattan federal judge Loretta Preska, who halted the hearing. Whoever's doing this, you're operating against the law. No, you're not. Hearings like this are open. I suspect there's a way to find out, so I will ask you most respectfully uh, to stop doing it. We've had enough of a lack of rule of law around here. Let's try to observe it, she said. Which tells me that the courts don't want you to know what's in these documents. Epstein's underage sex trafficking scheme is fodder for QAnon conspiracy theorists who believe the world is controlled by Satan-worshipping cannibalistic pedophiles. Maxwell has not, or has pleaded not guilty. Will QAnon have staying power? Probably. People are fucking crazy. Plus, they're going to be locked down in their homes for a little while longer, too. Keep that in mind. So all they have to do is sit at home, do a little bit of their online work, and go down conspiracy theory rabbit holes. It affects people. 
I know people it's affected. So do some of you. From Politico. France issues charter for imams meant to fight political Islam. From Pierre Paul Birmingham. Representatives of the French Council of the Muslim Faith said on Monday that they agreed on a charter of principles which would define an Islam of France after months of tense negotiations among Muslim representatives with French authorities. The charter is meant to ensure Muslim religious leaders and organizations align with the core values of the French Republic, emphasizing that Islam and the Republic are perfectly compatible. They're not. I don't know what's in this. Let's see if there's anything on this. French President Emmanuel Macron pushed for the charter as part of his government's measures to combat Islamist ra uh, radicalism along with new law reinforcing Republican principles introduced Monday in the National Assembly. The task explicitly supports the French ideal of la cité, a separation of church and state, and uh, rejects discrimination, gender inequality, and certain cultural practices which claim to belong to Islam. Article 6 mentions the struggle against all forms of instrumentalization of Islam to political or ideological ends, with signatories promising to refuse the promotion of what is known as political Islam. Signatories also commit to gradually moving away from receiving foreign financing. Basically, what's going to come out of this is the French and the Islam came up and said, Oui, oui, no, no, no. We will maintain secular government. Ho, 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 ho. And you will not burn down any more of our churches. And in return, you can still genitally mutilate your women. That's what this is going to be. So, we'll see what happens out of that. And the last one that I have here before we do something I'm thankful for and head on out of here. An error occurred during video playback. Nobody cares because I was going to watch the video. From ESPN, Sarah Thomas to become the first woman to officiate at a Super Bowl. Sarah Thomas will next month become the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl, the NFL announced on Tuesday. Thomas will serve as a down judge on referee Carl Sheffer's crew at Super Bowl 55. I'm rusty on my Roman numerals. I think that's 55, yeah, in Tampa, Florida. Thomas joined the NFL in 2015 as its first female on-field official. The league assembles its first Super Bowl officiating crew based on eligibility. A minimum of five years' experience is required, as well as in-season performance. She has worked a total of four postseason games and six seasons with the league. In a statement, NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent said Sarah Thomas has made history again as the first female Super Bowl official. Her elite performance and commitment to excellence has earned her the right to officiate the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Sarah on this well-deserved honor. I don't care. Not watching the Super Bowl this year. Not watched a single NFL game so far in the 2020-21 season. I got close after Rodgers donated all that money to Barstool Sports because that's a really good cause and I really want to support Aaron Rodgers for it. For the fact that he did it, but I really can't bring myself to do it right now. I can't bring myself to break the streak. I do need to see big changes back for the NFL in order for me to go back to them. I need them to go back to where that they used to be. 
and not be so social, uh, social justice warrior-y. And then I might go back. But still, congratulations to Sarah for glass ceiling or whatever. That's actually a really big deal because, you know, especially as an official, we should be somewhat gender blind to this. We really should. Now, of course, on the field, having a hulking defensive linebacker going after a 90-pound female kicker, that makes me a little bit nervous at this point. Still, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And men do have more muscle density and greater bone mass and more lung capacity and bigger heart capacity than women do. It's not necessarily that I don't think that women should play football. I just, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. It's the thing. But that's a bridge that we will cross when we get there. We're not there yet, folks. But as for that, that is going to be the end of the show here and the last thing that we do on a... What, what's today? On a Wednesday. It's inauguration day. What the hell's wrong with me? Anyway, the last thing that we do on a Wednesday is something that I'm thankful for. And I'm looking back. I'm looking at the fact that we're sitting here ready to go into the end of the Federal Apprentice. And I'm really thankful for what the news media has done for me, what independent media has done for me, what Freedom Scoop has done for me, and given me the opportunity to get here. We, I, we started this out three years ago in my old apartment where I was still living with my ex, doing solo videos talking about a couple of news stories a week. A little bit in-depth, but very, very highly published and highly organized. Very highly produced. And we've moved on. I've built an audience in you guys, which thank you very much for that. But the crazy news cycle, the Trump news cycle, has given me the opportunity to not only gain a following, people actually want to hear what I have to say, but move on from highly produced videos into actual doing news commentary journalism. And now I'm moving on, getting ready to start sending people out on the ground. And I've even been out on the ground myself doing journalism at this point. Yes, mostly what I do is commentary. I understand that. But, you know, Stephen's been on the ground. He's been in the Capitol. He's been to the gun riots. And he's part of our network. I've been to Kenosha. The Gen Gap guys haven't done a lot of what's going on, but they do more philosophical stuff. But we're moving on into a place now where we can start talking about doing some more on-the-ground stuff, and I'm thankful for the fact, the opportunity to do that because, as it's been mentioned in numerous times in the chat today, and I do see you guys. I go back and read it after the show every day, but I do see you guys, and I see you guys saying that the news media is going back to sleep. They are. I'm going to continue to be critical of the federal government as much as I possibly can. With the news articles that come out, whether it be for Kamala Harris's Converse sneakers or Joe Biden's socks or his dogs or whatever fucking fluff piece they want to put out and still be critical of the administration. Because just like all the spending that Donald Trump did and all the saber rattling that he did and all the stupid shit that he said on Twitter, there's going to be a lot to be critical of in the Biden-Harris administration. There is. And I hope to carry it with you guys. I'm thankful to the news media for providing me fodder every day, to Jake from Freedom Scoop for helping set up Freedom Scoop and bringing the community together that we have because we have such great people on the Freedom Scoop network. It's going to be a wild next two years and possibly four years and possibly eight years. 
And I hope you guys will stay on the journey with me. And I'm thankful for the fact that some of you have come this far. If you haven't done so already, if you want to help overcome the D-Live, and I hate the fact that I have to do this now because you guys have been so generous with the lemons, but if you guys could, check out the PayPal link in the description above you on Facebook or below you on every other major platform. Throw me a dollar just to help offset some of the costs here. I'm not asking for $1,000 or anything here, but a dollar here and there really helps out. It really does. We will see what happens. We will see if I'm wrong about the inauguration later on today. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's going to be uneventful. The military thing is for show. And I really, I'm waiting to see what happens at these Capitol protests here, which really are traps. I want to see how many people actually fall for the bait though. So we will see what comes out of this here. We'll see you tomorrow with more Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.